This is Toby Haydokes, who's round. The sound on this one isn't very good. Apologies, and it's ironic, considering the job of the person I'm interviewing. So, um... I'm speaking to my next victim, and I'm going to ask him who he is and why I'm talking to him about Doctor Who. Hi, my name's Tim Humphreys, and I worked in technical operations from 1973 to 1976 um, as a sound assistant um, in television centre. Um, I did a scene with um, an episode where she was basically tied to a pole, and there were loads of sort of, you know, there's loads of sort of smoke, and there's loads of chanting, and there's a bunch of sort of, you know, baddies and stuff, you know. Threatening with no good, as it were, um, and um, it was amazing. The atmosphere was thick with sort of incense, which is being used as smoke, and it was quite a sort of, um, you know, quite a quite an experience just being on set. You, the, the smell of the incense or whatever they were burning, you know, to create the smoke, uh, really made it quite real. You know, it was really sort of quite spooky. And um, well, to work on a, a Doctor Who with Daleks in it was sort of, uh, you know. You really knew you were a doctor. You were working on Doctor Who when there were Daleks involved, <laughs> um, because they were the iconic villain, really. And uh, I only did two or three of them, uh, but um, one of them was with the Daleks. And um, they, 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 you know, they were. Of course, I was, I was, I'd never seen uh, any, any Doctor Who's because I was very junior at the time in the studio until that particular one, and it came as a bit of a shock to me. Well, not a shock, a bit of a sort of eye opener, if you like, to find that the Daleks were in fact driven by And 
you had to rehearse the during the day and record them at night, sort of after, after dinner, you know, so you had to be at your best, sort of, you know, after, after supper when most people were thinking of going home. That's <laughs> something to get used to. Anyway, so, come the night, come the scene, where the dialects were um, swarming around and saying exterminate, exterminate, as they did, um, they fired their guns. And the first time that the guns had been fired in, in, at all, uh, only to find that, of course, the guns, actually, the, the pistol bit, the pistol bit, bit, bit where the cartridges were, was inside the Dalek, and the, the rifles were poked out, and, and the, the guns you know, made smoke outside, but mainly inside. And after firing two or three rounds, bang, 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 as rehearsed, um, the, the, the inside of the Dalek filled up with cordite or whatever the um, projectile, the explosive was, and uh, the, the to avoid choking, the Dalek operators flipped their heads back on their hinges and, and sort of leant outside and coughed and spluttered and regained their composure, let's just say. And so, I, I, you know, they were, I don't think they were sick or anything, but the cordite is a pretty horrible smell and it's all you can breathe, it's pretty nasty. So that was, that, that was my story, really. The, uh, the guys, you know, all, um, all flopped out of their dialects one by one and um, <laughs> exposed how they worked. And, um, of course, general hilarity all round because, you know, it's the sort of thing that hadn't been seen before. And, of course, someone, probably someone said someone on the line would go, ah, that's how to beat the Daleks, you know. <laughs> and uh, that was it, really. That's my memory of um, Doctor Who and the Daleks. Brilliant, yeah. Death death to the Daleks. That was, uh, you'd, never be, you'd never be hiding behind the sofa again after that. Well, no, that's a trouble, you know. It's all revealed after that. I mean, the cyber, I didn't do a Cybermen one. Um, but they, because of their sort of robotic faces, were um, quite frightening because they never showed any expression. Um, and uh, they, they were the ones that sort of used to frighten me. The dialects were more intriguing, and they were sort of the baddies you love to hate in a way. But um, the Cybermen were the most scary. I've never worked on an episode with them, as I said. But, um, but it was great to work on with, with the dialects, and it's rather nice. That's the only time I ever did it, sort of have a little story about them, you know. Yeah, fabulous. Did you, um, didn't you say you, uh, you got into a bit of trouble with John Pertwee as well? Well, 
And you, you didn't get your head bitten off, that was nice. No, well, interestingly, the, the, uh, the atmosphere in studios was one that where it was all about the technicals and the, 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 the technicians and the very expensive and hard to operate cameras and booms and, and what, you know, what the lighting was going on and all the rest of it. It's a very technical area, like a factory floor. And productions were sort of, the atmosphere amongst the technicals was, <laughs> technical people was, the actors and the productions were sort of allowed to visit and do their thing while we sort of did our best work covering it. And so, um, we felt that though we were sort of in charge and it was our home and these people were sort of were guests and so they, 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 it was very seldom anyone bawled out a cameraman or, or a technical um, you had to really be doing something really pretty stupid or unprofessional to um, to really be told off um, but the main things was actually walking walking around during uh, scenes with hard shoes and, um, and, and making a noise off the set that's almost the only thing you could do that would really was you know your redemption <laughs> And so, yeah, so no, it was, um, it, was a, it was a good experience, actually, because the guy was really nice about it. <laughs> I'd had me warning, you know, I, I couldn't say I hadn't heard it. And, um, but of course, he realised he was walking on all the other stops, swivel around, and delivered his line straight to this, this, this bloke who wished he wasn't there. <laughs> but you never did it again, then? No, no, well, well also, you sort of realised that rehearsals were at times when, even if you weren't involved in the scene, you should be aware of what was going on, and... Um, and uh, you know, even if you were on the on the set, you um, you know, you were part of the part of the whole event, and you and you had your place to be, and you had your role to play. And uh, as I say, even if you had nothing actually actually to do, so um, yeah, it was, it was a nice, it was good lesson, and he was, was very sweet about it, and uh, I sort of appreciated. It. Never got, I was far too junior to sort of go up and apologise and make a big deal of it. I sort of learnt my lesson and slightly down cast walked away, I suppose, you know. <laughs> Yeah. And, and so, how long did you work at the B before? Um, almost 25 years. Um, I was three years in tech ops between 73 and 76. And then I got an, a, the opportunity to um, uh, get an attachment to the film unit, which was based in even film studios. And um, stayed there, effectively. I mean, I asked for an extension to the attachment, and then during the extension, I said, this is great, I want to stay here, and, um, you know, can you fix it? And so I stayed in the film unit for three years on base duties where we transferred the cartridge tapes that were recorded on location to something that looked like film with pocket holes in it, but in fact was magnetic tape, and so that it could be lined up with a, with a picture which looked identical, it had pictures on it, if you know what I mean. And, um, and I did that for three years. And then I was um, let loose. I was given mobile. I was, I, my number came up, and I went mobile. And because I was, I'd worked in the studios, and no, you one end of a microphone from another. I was immediately done uh, used on dramas and things, which was great. And uh, I was 79 till 80, 88, effectively. Yeah. So I was nine years in tech, in, in base duties. I know. From, 70, from, 70, from 79 till 88, I was an assistant, and then I was made a recordist, and so the other end of the microphone cable, you know, listening to jets, and uh, resigned in 98, because um, I had back trouble and I was running around after production people, getting faster faster for 12 hours a day, just carrying a clipboard, and my back wasn't really up to it, and all the dramas were being done 
then my freelance people and ex-BBC colleagues of mine who had been given redundancies. So I, I left to join them. That, that worked really well, actually. Um, it wasn't a great plan, but it, it kept me back going for a bit longer. And um, I'm still working, but not doing the dramas anymore. Um, well, I've run for those for a bit. So I'm doing documentaries and day shoots and corporates and bits and pieces. Now and then, sort of mm, semi-retired now. But still, still doing it if you're asked. Well, exactly. Yes, I mean, for example, we don't need to retire really. Um, we, the phone just stops ringing. <laughs> <laughs> Television's changed a lot, obviously, since I joined, and um, an awful lot of work now is done by self-operators, so-called. And you know, directors or production people coming out making the films themselves, and that's affected documentaries enormously. But it does mean there's an awful lot of recordists who are highly skilled who are chasing fewer and fewer jobs. So you know. Very canny. Well, it's how you make. Unfortunately, you have to make your profit on the on the edges these days. I mean, there's no, you know, they don't pay you the right rate for the kit. They don't pay you what you've traditionally been paid, you know, for yourself. And I was offered less money recently for a drama than um, I was paid in 1998 when I left. Oh my goodness, that's 50. So less money 15 years later. Yeah. My goodness. Uh, Loads and loads of other stuff. You, know, you don't have a special place to do play 
crumbs. Welcome to the wonderful world of showbiz. Oh. Well, that's right, yeah. And it, I mean, he was always a little bit like that. I mean, the pressure was always on to do stuff. But in, in, when I first started, productions were extremely inefficient. Um, they'd spend all morning kicking a scene about, sort of thing. And then in the evening, they'd, they'd overrun. And it was great because the crews would earn money because you, you'd overrun. But now the um, production people have to sign off for day's work. The director would say he, he would get the day's work done in the day. And the first assistant will, will guarantee to pull it in for him. And um, there's no overtime, you know, it's not never mentioned, or if there is, it's because of rain or something, and they promise to give you the time back later, but never do, and never get any overtime. And, um, yeah, and, uh, you know, it's, it's go, 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 you know, let's do a quick rehearsal. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> the rehearsal. That's the other thing, isn't it? Yeah. Where everyone's still kicking the scene around in their heads, and wondering what to do, and they're the shooting it. Yeah. And um, sort of a shame, really. But, um, it, it, you know, it's, 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 I'm, I'm very happy. It's, it's a very healthy, you know, at the end of your career to, um, to not have any regrets instead of being kicked out, fully functioning and, you know, and wanting to do more but can't. Oh. Um, actually, there's one other Doctor Who story, which isn't a Doctor Who story, really, but it's, it's, it's great fun. And um, it's one of the great characters in, um, in the film unit uh, was this wonderful guy called Tex. Tex Childs, who was a grip, and the, the grips are sort of a men apart, really. They're they're, they're wonderful, they're, and good ones are fantastic because moving the dolly in sympathy with the acting and, and not being able to actually see right down the lens, so you can't in film days and you didn't have the video, you know, a, 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 a telly of your own to look at. Um, it, was, it was an enormous skill. It was really good, and um, it, it, Tex was one of the good ones, and he also used to invent all sorts of things to um, create amazing shots that no one else thought of, like a sort of a camera on a, a pole which swiveled down a, a, um, a spiral staircase in a prison and kept in, it was able to be steered to, to basically give a, well, I don't know how many, 720 degree shot as it, as it came round down and spun round twice as it came down the staircase, all sorts of things like that. He's a really extraordinary engineer as well as a, a really rather nice human being. But he was, um, he was very, very clever with text. And uh, he, but, but he wasn't that particularly educated, but he used what little education, a little sort of now he had to fantastically effective effect. And uh, there was one occasion when they were filming in Lanzarote of Doctor Who. Oh, yes. Um, and um, one of the locals was sort of being a bit over, sort of, over what's the word, keen on them, one of the makeup girls. And they, uh, they were sort of gathered around the bar in the evening before going out or eating or something they did. And uh, someone said to me, oh, Crikey, that bloke's, you know, hassling whatever her name was, you know, again. He said, oh, I'll sort him out. And they go, oh, no, that's all right, Dex, don't worry. <laughs> um, but he had a pretty well, he had a pretty well lived in face in Tex, still probably does. And he went over to this guy who only spoke Spanish. And Tex, summing up all the Spanish he knew, looks, put his face about two inches from the other guy's face, which is obviously intimidating enough, and said, Oi, hombre, vamos. <laughs> of he learned from a John Wayne film or something. <laughs> and, uh, and just to prove that he knew Spanish, this bloke, um, you know, uh, literally got up and went and, and, and disappeared. And, uh, oh, yeah, I know Spanish, I do. Takes <laughs> <laughs> is a fantastic character, and hopefully one day the full book will be written. He's a wonderful guy. And, he, and, around, and the lady's honour was, was maintained. Yes, indeed, yes, indeed. He's definitely a clever bloke. <laughs> yeah. What, what was your what was your favourite drama that you worked on when you were 
at the Beeb? What, what, were, what were the ones that were the most fun or did you think were the best? Because it was a great, it was a great um, show. Yeah, you couldn't be with two better actors than those two. Amazing. Yeah, 
No, and, and they understood the film process. I mean, they were just totally professional. I mean, Julie Dench would ask um, the cameraman, John Else, what lens he was on, and act within that, you know. And you think, <laughs> yeah. And um, and they were just wonderful. And of course, it makes and their professionalism and sheer skill put everyone on there. You know, everyone was sort of basically trying to make sure they didn't screw up because it would be a sin to you know, put the boom in or or shoot off the set or you know make a noise or have a prop fail. You know, during during their scenes because everything they were just so incredibly good. So yes, that was that was that was good. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, well, the, other, the other one, which is interesting, and gave me sort of an insight into actors and acting as, uh, well, as much as anything, I was working with uh, Ian McShane on Lovejoy. And he, he, the, the crew used to think he was wonderful, and he was, um, but because he um, always used to insist on the same crew every time, of course, he didn't think that everyone put in, Ian was so And what's your charity, Tim? Oh, am I that one? Yeah. yeah. Thanks for working around me. I appreciate it. No 
problem at all. Take care, mate. Cheers, mate. Take care. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Thanks to Tim. Uh, what a delightful fellow. And his charity is the RNLI. Quite a popular one. That, and uh, Macmillan seems to do particularly well. But the RLI, uh, the lifeboats are www.rnli.org. And they have a donate page. Uh, here's a trailer for the next edition of Who's Round. Thanks for listening to this one. Stay safe. Till then, ta-ta. Also, lots of my work is in Welsh, so for me to do something in English was brilliant because it meant that I could tell friends who kind of watch Pablo come with subtitles and struggled that they would actually understand what I was saying. So I had a party and everything. All my mates came round. It was lovely, really exciting. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. The Fourth Doctor Adventures. It's Marshall here, Doctor. I need your help. Leela's... she's missing. What? It is an honour to meet you, Huntmaster. Your knight excels at my contest. Is this a private death match, or could anyone join in? Once you're up there, it's kill or be killed. No one's beaten the Master's champion. I'm afraid in the death match there can be only one winner. So why am I still alive? We shall see how you fare when set against your friends, Doctor. Kill or be killed. The only rule of the death match. Doctor Who. Death match.